0: Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey.
1: I'm Deborah, and I'm reading the Psalm 91 English Standard Version this morning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not feel the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample, trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These are the words of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Well, per usual, I'm going to move a little closer if that's okay. It's been a while since I've seen you guys, so let's get close. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing well? The storm was a little crazy this morning. It's my general custom um, when I preach, whether it's here or at the church that we're attending now, to do worship and prayer around the building in the morning. And I got here, and no sooner I pull in the parking lot, it just starts dumping rain. Um, And I was so blessed that Gertrude was here praying first thing this morning, and she was able to let me in, so I was able to, to do that in the sanctuary um, the Lord even cares about the little things um, that we've grown accustomed to um, and provides um, just provides for us in that way. And I just want to encourage you guys with this before I get started. So, um, One thing I feel like the Lord's been telling me throughout the whole year, just continually repeating it and continually reminding me, is that God is not done with His church. In the midst of everything that's going on in the world, all of the calamity, all of the chaos, all of the change of mindset and perspective in our culture, and a lot of that affecting the way that the world views church and what that looks like, in the midst of all of that stuff, God's not done with his church. God's not done with Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. And that's encouraging. And I feel like over this next year, over these next couple years, the God's, cha- God's challenge for the church is going to be one of depth. I think God wants to take us deeper in who he is and to what his kingdom is and the reality of his kingdom coming to earth and what that looks like for us as God's people. I think his challenge in the next coming years with all of the stuff going on around us is to take his church deeper into his presence, deeper into his kingdom, deeper into his will for them here and for us here and now. God is not done with his church. God has big plans for the church this coming year. This church as a local body, but also the church as a whole. And I just want to encourage you guys this morning. The same God that we read about in scriptures is the same God moving in the church today. He hasn't changed. He hasn't stopped. He's not hindered. He's still the God who put everything into place, that did all the amazing things that we hear about. And he's desiring to take us deeper that we could walk in that stuff. With that being said, Psalms 91, it was funny, I was telling Dave this, this morning, when Scott reached out to me and said, hey, I'm going to be gone this weekend, would you mind coming and preaching? And I prayed about it and, and, and called him back and said, yeah, I would love to do that. And he said, well, there's one, there's one condition he said, we're going through the Psalms, so you're going to have to preach from a psalm. He said, you can pick it, you can choose which one, but you're going to have to preach from Psalms. And for me, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. You know what I mean? I like like listening to Paul talk throughout his, his letters, or James, you know, somebody who, it's just meat and potatoes. And Psalms is always one of those books that I've struggled with because of the language, because of the way it's spoken, right? It's more poetic. It's more illustrative in what what it's talking about. So when Scott told me that, I thought, well, I have no idea what I'm going to preach on. And I started to pray through that and started to just read some of the Psalms in, in my devotional time. And there were a couple that were like, you know, maybe this is it, maybe not. And I just felt like the Lord, um, in my prayer time one day, was uh, saying Psalms 91. And I was like, Lord, what is Psalms 91? So I opened my Bible and began to read it, and what I realized is that this is a chapter that is full of God's promises for his people. It's, It's a chapter full of God proclaiming, this is what I have for my people, this is my promise for my people. But with that comes the reality that these promises are conditional. And let me explain what I mean when I say that. The the, the promises in this text are dependent on something. And we're going to talk about that. What the text says is that these promises are are for those who dwell, who make the Lord their dwelling place. The place where they reside, the place where they live, the people who dwell in the Lord, that's who these promises are for. So with that in mind, I just want to take a look and I I want to reread Psalms 91. I, I don't think it's ever a bad idea to hear something more than once. And it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes to see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on their hands will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue, you, rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see, as we read Psalms 91, we see God's promises for his people. But these promises are based on the condition that we make him our dwelling. That we make him the place where we dwell. In verse 1 it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 9 says, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. In verse 14 it says, because he holds fast to me in love. See, God is calling his people to make him the dwelling place. The place where we live, the place where we reside, the place that we call home is to be him in the kingdom. And I think a lot of times as God's people, we want the benefits of the kingdom without living there, without surrendering to the lordship of the king. But that's not, that's not the way it's set up. You don't get the benefits of the kingdom of God without living in the kingdom of God and under the lordship of the king. Does that make sense? It's not that God is withholding his promises. The promises are there and they're free. But it's only when we dwell in him. When we dwell in his kingdom that we gain access to the promises he's already provided. John 15 verses 4 through 6. Jesus reiterates this. Abide in me and I in you. "...as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever lives in me, resides in me, dwells in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Paul tells us, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in in him, established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We need to be a people who encounter the presence of God on a daily basis, who walk in step with the Holy Spirit, walking and talking and discerning his voice throughout the day, never losing sight of his presence and the reality that he's with us Everywhere we go, always. Always talking, always leading, always commissioning us to accomplish what he has for his kingdom. God desires us to be a people who dwell, who make him, his presence, his kingdom, the place where we dwell. Right? We're here, but we're not of here, is what scripture tells us. We're in the world, but not of the world. We live in a kingdom that's, that's very active and very present, but it's not where we physically are. God is calling us to be a people that dwell in him. And I'm not talking about giving uh, coming and visiting a couple times a week. Or, or just coming to church, or just giving, or just making time for God when we have time. I'm talking about of people who dwell in His presence, who who daily meet with Him, who daily get into His presence, who daily get in His Word, so that when we go throughout the day, we can realize when the Holy Spirit speaks. Because this, I can guarantee you, there's not a day you wake up, a day you go to work, a day that you live your life that the Holy Spirit isn't saying something. That's a reality. He's always speaking. He's always teaching. He's always desiring to lead. He's always calling us into what God has for us as his people. And if we don't make daily time to get into God's presence and to to, to dwell there and to live there and to rest there, we miss what the Holy Spirit's trying to say as we're walking through a world that desperately needs him. If we're going to have access, if we're going to gain access to the promises that God promises his people, we have to be devoted to living there. Dwelling there. Residing there. That's why we were given the Holy Spirit. So that we could daily communicate with God. So that we could live, even though we're at work, we can have communion with God. Because the Spirit lives in us. He can be actively speaking, we can be actively hearing, and He can be actively using us. Through the normal areas of life. And I think too often we get in that place where, where meeting with God is something that we've chalked out time for. And that's important, right? Taking time and setting that aside and saying, God, this is your time. That's important. It's significant because it's what helps us to realize when he's speaking to us throughout the rest of the day. But this living and this abiding in in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit that Scripture talks about is supposed to be in every second, of every minute, of every hour, of every day thing. I never lose sight of the one who lives in me. I never lose sight of the one who walks with me through life. But I'm daily hearing, daily communicating, daily listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying, dwelling there, dwelling there. And too often we get caught up in everything else we have to do. We don't provide the Lord adequate time to talk to us. And then when he speaks to us in that little voice throughout the day, we miss it because we're not in tune. It's important. The world's getting dark. Our country is going down paths that it shouldn't go. And it's going to take a church who's dwelling in the presence of God, who's walking in the promises because they're in that place where the Lord has become their residence, for us to truly make an impact, for us to truly be a light, I needed this message. When I was going through this and I flipped through and I started reading Psalms 91 I said God you're speaking to me. Because I don't dwell there the majority of the time. It's easier to dwell other places. It's it's easier to sit on the couch and watch TV. It's easier to do other things than to be diligent about meeting with a God who so desperately desires to meet with us. God's calling us deeper as a people. He's saying, let's get out of the shallow end and let's take a plunge. Come, make me your dwelling. And these are are some promises um, that just have to do with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important that we talk about it because the Holy Spirit is so important to us as a people. So important to us as God's children. As we walk out this life, He's essential to who we are. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, Because he has given us of his spirit. Ezekiel 36, verses 27 says this Verse 27 And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and be careful to obey my rules. Acts 1.8 says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses throughout the world. John 14.26 says that the Spirit was given to us that he could teach us and remind us of the things that Jesus taught. The Holy Spirit's desire, God's desire, is that we be a people who dwell in his presence that actively walk with the Spirit through life, Him teaching us and reminding us and commissioning us as we walk through daily life, that we would hear His voice and that we would move, that we would hear His voice and that we would speak, that we would hear His voice and be empowered for the work that He's called us to as a church. That we would hear his voice and be convicted and come to a place of surrender and forgiveness. That this would be a daily experience walking in the spirit with God. That church would become, that God would become more than a Sunday morning thing. More than a Sunday Wednesday thing. More than this time that I've chunked out during the week that he can have when I'm available. But he desires that that he become the place where we dwell. The place where where we live, the place where we reside, that everything that we are flows out of that dwelling place. That's how we gain access to the promises that he proclaims in Psalms 91. That's the condition. He says, this is what I promise I'm going to do. If you dwell in me, you gain access to these promises to walk in them, to move in them. So with that being said, I want to talk about the promises that he lays out in Psalms 91. The promises that God says, this is what I have for my people. The first being in verses 9 through 14, I'm going to reread those again. underfoot because he holds fast to me in love I will deliver him I will protect him because he knows my name you see we see the first thing that God promises in the text is victory He says that whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, my promise is is that if you dwell in me, you're going to be victorious. You're going to walk in victory. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament with God's people. When they're diligent about making God their dwelling place, Right when they're walking through the wilderness and they're following the cloud and they're pursuing what God has for them, when they're doing the things that God called them to do, they prospered and they were victorious. They went into the promised land confidently under Joshua against foes that were far bigger, far more equipped, far more trained and and numbers, but they came out victorious because they prioritized God and his will and his kingdom. We see that, but we also see when Israel decides that something else is more important and they begin to pursue that. And what does that lead to? It led to captivity. It led to them being slaves to people that God never intended them to be slaves to. And it it derailed them from going to the promised land. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. Moses, the man who, who pursued God and did what God did to lead his people, never got to encounter the promised land. Because Israel took their eyes off of their Savior. And I think the same is true for us in our lives. We only gain access to God's kingdom, to that victory. We only walk in victory as we're dwelling in Him. Our victory is 100% dependent on where we're dwelling on a normal basis. You don't get the benefits of the kingdom without living in the kingdom. Deuteronomy. Chapter 20, verse 4 says this 20, verse 4 For the Lord your God is he who goes with you, goes with you, is with you, to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that no temptation has seized us, but what is common to man. And that when we are tempted, God is faithful and he provides a way for us to stand up under it. God provides a way. And a lot of times we miss that way because we're not dwelling. We're in the midst of temptation and the Holy Spirit is just yelling, this is how you get out, this is how you overcome, this is what you need to to walk in victory. And because we're not dwelling there, we miss his voice and we miss the opportunity to walk in victory over temptation and sin. James chapter 4 verse 7 says it this way. James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, come under the lordship of the king, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now listen to verse 8. I don't think that it's an accident that James put verse 8 after verse 7. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he says, resist the devil and he will flee. But then immediately after that, what does he say? He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. See, the strength to resist the devil, the strength to move forward in victory comes from us pursuing our Savior, comes from us dwelling in that place, dwelling in the Holy Spirit. We don't overcome sin by avoiding sin. We overcome sin by running to a God who has the ability to empower us to move forward. To walk in victory. Our victory is based solely on where we dwell. You're not going to experience heaven if you're continually putting yourself in hell. That's hard to hear, isn't it? We have to be a people who dwell in the kingdom that are about kingdom presence and kingdom business. And it's when we do that that we become victorious. Not because the promise wasn't already there. The promise is there. The promise was pinned way before we were born. But are we going to dwell? Are we going to make the Lord our dwelling place? Or are we going to hope that we can do what we want to do and still walk in victory? It's not the way the book says it works. Christ won our victory at Calvary by eliminating the enemy and sin's power in our lives. But that victory is walked out on a daily basis as we dwell in the presence of God. The victory has already been purchased. It's already been won. We know the end of the story. But it's, we only gain access to that when we dwell in his presence. When we're actively dwelling. The second promise that he gives, and this, this is one that I absolutely love. It says this in verse 15, at the beginning of verse 15. 15 has one little verse, has three promises. So the first one is, when he calls to me, God is saying, when you call to me, I will answer him. I will answer you. What a powerful thing that is. Like, grab, grab the reality of that. Me, Kirk, undeserving, unworthy. Uh, we know that I'm in need of help, but, right? The God of the universe, the one who created everything, who put everything in place, who keeps the world moving and the, and the world going, the one who came and died on a cross to, to bear the sins of the world, that God, every time I address him or call to him, he hears me. A God that big, that, that gigantic, that massive, hears my little voice when I call out. When I pray, it says that God hears me. But that's not the end of the promise, right? He hears us and he says, I will answer you. Now, that doesn't mean that I pray for a Ferrari, and magically when I wake up in the morning, there's a Ferrari in my driveway, right? That's not what God's talking about. But what he's getting at with this, and it's all throughout Scripture, is that as we're dwelling in his presence, his spirit teaches us to pray for the things that he desires us to pray for, and because what we're praying for is in the will of God, he answers the prayer. Does that make sense? When when we're dwelling in him and focused on the kingdom, we're praying for kingdom things. My prayer goes from, Lord, I want a Ferrari, to, Lord, my neighbor's sick and not doing well. My my prayers go from, Lord, I'd really like to, to do this coming up, to, Lord, I pray for my community. They're in desperate need of what you've done for them on a cross. Can you you show me a way to step out in faith and be a part of what you're doing in our community? You see, it's prayers like that, God, kingdom focused prayers, that God is faithful to answer. And I think we only pray that way when we're continually dwelling in His kingdom, in His presence. And the promise is one, that He hears us, two, that He answers us. It's His promise. He says, This is is what I can guarantee. If you dwell in me, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to listen. When you you call to me, it's not going to be missed. It's not going to be overlooked. I'm going to hear you. But not just that, I'm going to answer the prayer. That's huge. Continuing in verse 15, it says this I will be with him in trouble. The, immediately, the, the immediate example that came to mind or where my mind went was when the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. Jesus is sleeping, and right, the storm is raging, right? And they're beginning to freak out. And these, these aren't people that are unfamiliar with being in a boat, in a storm, in the middle of the, the sea, right? They were fishermen. This is what they did. But they forgot who was with them in the boat. They wake Jesus up, Jesus calms the storm, and everything's all right. His promises is, is, as we dwell, as we make him our dwelling place, when we go through stuff, when, when we're faced with trials, when we're faced with trouble, when we're faced with tribulation, He'll be there with us throughout the whole process, throughout the whole thing. You're not alone, you're not going through it by yourself, but the God of the universe is alongside you, walking with you through it, sometimes carrying you through it. He's there. That's amazing. John 6 John 16 verse 33 says this I have said these things to you that in me in Jesus in God you may have peace in the world you will have tribulations that's his promise As long as we live here, we're going to have trouble, we're going to have tribulation, we're going to have trials. God doesn't remove us from that stuff, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, it's as we're dwelling in God, in his presence in the Holy Spirit, that as we begin to be faced with trials and tribulations and trouble, that God is there with us in it, and we can see what he's doing, and he moves us through it. Because Jesus proclaimed that the trials are going to come, but take heart, I've overcome the world, What you're facing has not outwitted me. What you're facing has not overcome me. What you're facing is not too big. I am the God of the universe. I've been there and I've overcome everything. It's hard to see God with us when, in the hard times when we don't take time to be with God in the good times. God's not a safety net. He's not somewhere you you go to when you're just in trouble. He's a savior. He's a spirit that desires to live with you daily. To be actively moving in your life every second of every day. Do we dwell there? Continuing in verse 15 of Psalms 91 I will rescue him and honor him I'm going to go ahead and read verse 16 also with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation 2 Timothy verse 4 I mean chapter 4 verse 18 says this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He will rescue us. As I look back on my life, there were a lot of times in my life where I needed rescuing. There was a period in my life where I didn't know God and I was so deep in a pit that I had lost hope and I was chasing everything I could to fill that void. Drugs, alcohol, people's approval. And it wasn't until I encountered God, right? It wasn't until he put a Dave and Debbie in my life. It wasn't until I started coming to church and started to dwell there that he pulled me out of that pit. That he rescued me. And it goes on to say, not only will I rescue you, but I'll honor you. And I can tell you right now, there's no greater honor in the universe than someone like me who was without hope, who was living in sin, who was dwelling there to be rescued and then proclaimed by the Lord that I am his child. I am a child of God. I have a Father that deeply loves me, that's deeply concerned about me. I have a Lord who not only wants to pull me out of the pit, but put me in a place of honor and use me to accomplish things in His kingdom that only He can do through me, but that only happens. I only come out of the pit, I only receive that honor when I'm dwelling in the Lord. When that's the place I reside when that's the place I'm living, where that's the place everything else flows from. We are his children. You are his child. There is no greater honor in the universe than to be able to proclaim the God of the universe is my daddy. He deeply cares for me. He's deeply concerned about me. So much so that Jesus came and he died to provide a way back that I could enter into relationship with him. Right? That's the next, that's the next promise that he gives is salvation. I will show him my salvation. And what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 tells us is that God is faithful whom call, who called us into fellowship With his son. If you ask me how I define salvation, it's this. That God has provided a way that I can enter back into relationship and live in relationship with Jesus. That's what salvation is. Forgiveness is a part of that. Praying and accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior is a part of that. But what God desires out of all of it is that we walk in relationship with him. That's why the price was paid. That's why Jesus came. It's why he suffered. It's why he was rejected. It's why he was beaten. It was why he was nailed on a cross, was to say, I love you so much that I don't want you to live in the junk that you're in. I want to pull you out of that. And I want to restore you into this relationship with me. We're no longer kept at a distance. Scripture tells us that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. That means that relationship is active. Every day, God gives me breath to get out of bed, the Holy Spirit is there and wanting to walk in relationship with me. That's salvation. That's why James can proclaim faith without works is dead. It's of no use. Because the faith that we believe in tells us that God paid a price that we could walk in relationship with Him. That's what salvation is. Anything that's not walking in relationship with Jesus, not walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit, isn't salvation. It's not a prayer that we pray, it's not a ticket that we punch. It's a relationship that we live in. God promises us if you, if you make me your dwelling place, you will experience salvation and everything that comes with it. That's amazing. The last thing that he promises, it actually comes before salvation in the list, but I think it comes after salvation. And the, and the walking it out. It says, I will, with long life, satisfy him. And what I don't think that's talking about, and what I don't think that's talking about is long life here. And I think I can confidently say that, because all throughout Scripture we see guys like Stephen, who was radically pursuing the Lord. I think that's clear who was dwelling in the Lord, and yet he was stoned at a young age. Peter was hung on a cross, upside down, long before it was his time to go. So I don't think that God is saying, I will satisfy you with long life here. I think what he's getting at is the eternal life to come. See, there's going to be a day where we either close our eyes for the last time and we wake up and enter the gates and get to spend eternity with God or one day the clouds are going to part and Jesus is going to come and trumpets are going to sound and Jesus is going to come flying out of the clouds and, and victory is going to take place and he's, all, he's going to grab all of us up and take us into eternity with him. That's the promise. That's the end of the story, right? Right? Jesus is saying that if you do this while you're here and now, if you just make me your dwelling place, if this is the place you reside, the place you dwell, walking with me, talking with me on a daily basis, interacting and walking in the Holy Spirit that I've given you and dwelling there, he says if you can do that while you're here, you get to spend eternity with me. And he doesn't just talk about long life, a long life that will satisfy Has anybody in life, in this life, experienced dissatisfaction? Anybody? The promise is is that when we get to heaven, that's gone. We will have long life that is daily, that is always satisfying. We'll get to see Jesus face to face and live there. For eternity with the Savior of the world. With Daddy who loves us so much. It's just an incredible thought. We will wake up. Well, I don't know if we'll wake up. I don't know if you sleep in heaven. Um, We will daily be satisfied because of the gift that eternal life brings. But we don't get there if we're not dwelling here. God has made uh, amazing promises in this chapter. Promises that should excite us as believers. Promises that encourage us as believers that say, Hey, guess what? This life may be hard, but I can get through. I'm tempted on a daily basis, but I can overcome. I can walk in victory. I'm in this place where I feel lost and trapped, like I can't get out. But God's promises is that He's going to pull me out. And not only is he going to pull me out, but he's going to stand me up and he's going to honor me by the way that he identifies me. And because of that, he promises eternal life. Are we going to be a people who dwell? I could tell you right now, the community, the nation... The world needs a people of God who dwell, who live, who reside in the presence of God, who walk in the Spirit of God on a daily basis that, that are dedicated to, to His kingdom and to His will and to His purpose above everything else. And the idea that somehow worldly things are funner than walking in the kingdom of God is nonsense. Dave, do you remember when we were in New York? We were me, Elena, and Dave went on this teen retreat in New York through Robert's Wesleyan College. And one of the things that they did, I think it was Jefferson Avenue, if I remember right, they dropped us in this on this street that's Jefferson Avenue, and we really didn't know much about what Jefferson Avenue was until the guy who was leading. We were doing a prayer walk where we were handing out waters and praying for people. And the guy began to tell us, he said, yeah, so this is, this is one of the three block areas in the city that has the most violence. Like there are people that are shot here on a regular basis. Like this is what the guy is beginning to tell us while we're walking through asking people if they want candy and water and if we can pray for them. So, right, we're in, the, we're in the middle of this place that we're unfamiliar with. Um, that's apparently not a safe place to be. And then we're, we're walking back to the bus. One, the people were amazing. We got to pray for a ton of people that day. And they were so open and receptive to what God was doing. It was just phenomenal. But we were walking back to get in the van. And I, I happened to look down an alley. And there's this guy sitting on a stoop. And the Lord says, Kirk, why don't you go talk to him? And I thought about it for a long while, like three blocks down the road while of the Lord just going, you need to go talk to him, you need to go talk to him. So believe it or not, we were what, 15, 16 at that time, I think, maybe a little older than that. Um, and the guy who was leading the walk was Chris Police. So that's how I met Chris. Chris was doing street ministry together in the middle of um, Rochester. So I go up to Chris and I say, hey Chris, I know we're already three, three blocks away, but I feel like the Lord's saying we need to go back, we need to talk to this guy, at least pray for him. And you guys who know Chris know Chris. Oh, absolutely, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he, you know, we're almost running down the street to go talk to this guy. And we end up talking to him and asking if we can pray for him, and he begins to pour out his life and everything that's going on. And God gave me and Chris the privilege of leading Bob to the Lord. I'll never forget his name. And I can tell you that is probably that, and other experiences where God has used me, has been the most satisfying part of my life. Period. It's not even close. And we've done some cool stuff like jump off bridges while we were in youth group, did donuts in the church van in a snowy parking lot. You know, we did some fun stuff, but all of that fails in comparison to watching someone give their life to Jesus for the first time and begin to walk that out. God's kingdom isn't boring. It's not a lack of fun or a lack of joy. It is the most satisfying place the most joyful place we can live because it's where we were designed to live, created to live? Will we be a people that dwell there? There's a lot of Bobs out there sitting on stoops. And I I hate to think of the amount of times I've walked by the alleyway and saw the Bob sitting on a stoop. And because I refuse to dwell in the presence of the Lord, because I refuse to make the Lord my dwelling, I miss the Holy Spirit saying, go talk. Go speak to him. He needs you. He needs me. Will we be a people that dwell there? And in turn, will we be a people that walk and move in the promises of God? We cannot experience the benefits of the kingdom if we don't live in the kingdom. And come under the lordship of the King on a daily basis. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information
1: about our church, please visit WaynesboroFM.com.